Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Guess what, Will? What's that, Mango? Did you know there's a poison garden in northeastern England? It's a full garden devoted exclusively to poisonous plants. Oh, that sounds so evil, but I, <laughs> I kind of love it. So what's the purpose of this? So when I first read about the garden, I imagined it had been there for like hundreds of years, but it's only about 20 years old. A duchess inherited the gardens, and she wanted to do something super fun with them. And she thought, what could get kids more interested than a garden where you're expressly forbidden from stopping and smelling the flowers? So is it actually dangerous? Yeah, it really is. So when I saw a picture of some of the gardeners tending it, they were basically head to toe in hazmat suits. They wear gloves to protect their hands from boiling up, and they cover their bodies. It's crazy. But hearing about the castle, which, by the way, actually served as Hogwarts in the Harry Potter movies, and this whole poison garden... It made me realize I know nothing about the secret world of dangerous and deceptive plants. And so that's what today's show is all about. Why don't we dive in? Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hot Ticketer. And today we're talking about some of the weirdest, funniest, most dangerous plants out there. Kind of a field guide to plants your mother wouldn't approve of. Now, Mango, are you actually into plants? <laughs> I mean, not really. So I know your wife knows a ton about nature and plants, and she has an environmental science degree. And my grandfather was a botanist and forester, so my mom knows a ton about plants, but I know virtually nothing. It's like I've tuned out everything they've been talking about all my life. But you were the one that wanted to do this episode <laughs> so bad. What, what, what was it that got you intrigued? That's right. So our pal Austin helped me research a bunch of plants for the episode. But I think there were two things that really got me interested. So the first was I, I read a little about Liz Christie's story. Do you know Liz Christie? I don't. Yeah. So in the early 70s, Christie was this landscape painter in New York City who saw these rundown neighborhoods supposedly as canvases that she could play with. So she'd go into these really rough areas with seed bombs. She'd like take a water balloon and fill it with a mixture of seeds and water and compost. And then she'd throw it into these barren places in, in like the Bowery or whatever. 
And it was kind of the first guerrilla gardening. <laughs> I love these seed grenades. I mean, today they actually make them with wildflowers. You can toss them into fields and watch them attract honeybees or whatever. Yeah, it's funny. So my dad's friend actually had a patent on sod that you could roll out with wildflowers for the same purpose, but it never caught on, unfortunately. But Liz Christie was amazing. She did other things, too. Like she'd sneak into these rough areas with compost and tomato and cucumber plants and wood and whatever. And she just build vegetable gardens where she couldn't. And slowly the community started pitching in and harvesting the vegetables. But when the authorities got wind of it, they tried to stop it, but, you know, Christy was super savvy, and she took her story to the press, and eventually the city got on board. Like, they started leasing all these abandoned plots to community gardeners for a dollar a garden and offering seeds and tools for cheap, and the movement really took off. Like, in the late 80s, there were supposedly 800 community gardens in the city. 800? I mean, that is an awesome story. So, all right, so so what does this have to do with dangerous plants, though? <laughs> I know, so I'm off to tangents immediately. It didn't, it didn't take long, I guess. <laughs> But I read a little about Christy and her seed bombs and started thinking, does nature do this at all? And then I stumbled into a book called Wicked Plants by Amy Stewart, which is so good. And I'm going to be referencing it throughout the show. But uh, there's a chapter in it called Duck and Cover. Duck and Cover? <laughs> yeah. And the chapter is filled with dangerous explosive plants. Like, get this. So here's what Stewart writes about the gorse bush. Quote, on a hot day, sitting near a gorse can be hazardous. The pods explode without warning, ejecting seeds into the air with a noise that sounds like a gunshot. So this is basically a plant that lures you in with flowers that smell like scented coconuts or custard. But then it takes pot shots at you when the weather's right. <laughs> and there are others like this, too, like like the seeds of the dynamite tree can shoot up to like 300 feet away. Or, oh, wow. Or there's a dwarf mistletoe, which is actually related to the plant from Christmas time. The one everybody kisses under. Yeah. So it can actually shoot seeds out at 60 miles per hour. Oh, wow. And these plants are no joke. But the most disgusting exploding plant I heard about. The squirting cucumber. Oh, that wins just by its name. <laughs> that sounds so gross. Does it shoot out cucumbers at rapid fire? Or what, what happens here? <laughs> yeah, what's insane is that most of these plants are pretty closely related to some normal plants. So the squirting cucumber is actually related to cucumbers and gourds and squashes. It's like in that general family, but it's so much grosser. <laughs> and at first I thought the squirting was about the wetness shooting out. And it is, as Stuart writes, the plant's two-inch-long fruits are famous for bursting when ripe, squirting a slimy, mucus-like juice and seeds almost 20 feet away. You've said squirting too much. This is starting <laughs> to gross me out. And it sounds like a vegetable from, like, Nickelodeon or something. I mean, the fact that it's slimy makes it so much more gross. I know, but, but it's dangerous, too. Uh, apparently, that veggie mucus will sting your skin if it touches it, and it'll make you vomit if you ingest it. Oh. But the worst thing about the squirting cucumber, if you accidentally ingest it in a drink, like if that mucus shoots 20 feet into your beer glass or whatever, the squirting cucumber will give you the squirts. <laughs> right. I think we've talked enough about this one. I think it's definitely worth avoiding. But I, honestly, I can see why you're fascinated by this stuff. Now, when you told me about this episode and the field guide idea, I was thinking it'd be really fun to organize some of these plants into categories of kids you might want to avoid on the playground. You know, there's those explosive types definitely sound like the emotionally volatile kids you'd want to tiptoe around. But why don't we start? I don't know. Why don't we start with the pig pens? I mean, I want some of that stinky stuff you can't help but avoid. <laughs> yeah, the pig pens. I love it. So uh, let me just look through my notes because I know what I want to talk about here. So I started listing off a few favorites just because the smells are so amazing, just in case you're like looking for a new cologne or whatever. So the stinky gourd smells like armpits. It even has stinky in its name. <laughs> yeah, it's actually called the Missouri gourd or the fetid gourd, but it smells pretty bad. 
Then you've got the calorie pear, which is this tree that smells like rotten fish and the boxwood. And when it gets too much sunshine, it actually smells like cat pee. Oh, wow. Which is kind of funny, right? I mean, I feel like so many of the facts that you and I remember are about things that smell good. You know, like the benturong is this half bear, half cat looking thing that actually smells like buttered popcorn. Yeah, I, I love that. But this shrub actually feels like it belongs in a litter box. But to me, the greatest pig pen of them all, the plant that most needs a bath, has to be the corpse flower. All right, so I take that Benturong fact back because <laughs> I, I know we have discussed the corpse flower in the past. It, it's, it's kind of like the rock star plant for smelling so bad. I know people travel to see it bloom, not just because of how bad it smells, but also because it doesn't bloom that often. And I think I remember it's huge, right? Isn't it like seven feet tall or something? Yeah, it's kind of magnificently large and also really putrid. And apparently when it blooms, the spadix, which is this giant fleshy stem, heats up to about 90 degrees to help cook up and spread that aroma. Wow. <laughs> and actually, I, I wrote down some of the things the corpse flower supposedly smells like, according to observers. So the most common description is, quote, smells like death, <laughs> which uh, which feels a little on the nose for something called the corpse flower. But uh, if you've got a more discerning palate, it might smell like, well rotting flesh, hot garbage, diapers, <laughs> rotten fish, cheese, smelly socks, and also cabbage. Oh, cabbage, <laughs> which actually might be the worst smelling of all of those things. And I love that humans are so curious about how bad something smells. I mean, they immediately want to smell it, too. It kind of reminds me, you remember that old Tom Hanks sketch from SNL? He drinks that sip of old milk and he's like, oh, this is so terrible. You have to try it. The next person comes over and tries it and says the same thing. And they just keep smelling and eating these terrible things because they just have to try it for themselves. But we kind of do this naturally as humans for some reason. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I have no interest in traveling out of my way to smell a corpse flower. <laughs> but it also feels to me like the Harry Potter jelly beans, you know, where they it could be delightful or disgusting. And either way, people are happy to have tried it. You know, my kids love those things. Oh, mine, too. But some of them are so gross. There I were know. a couple I honestly could not eat. All right, well, speaking of Harry Potter, I actually do want to talk about the Mandrakes and some of the other stuff from the books that exist in real life. But before we do that, can we do a quick section on, I don't know, let's call it the uh, the Eddie Haskell plants. Uh, why Eddie Haskell? Well, these are the plants that seem totally harmless and kind of like goody two-shoes, but can actually be bad influences. <laughs> yeah, a, there are a lot of plants I didn't realize were dangerous. Like, there's the laurel hedges, which always seem so run-of-the-mill to me. They're actually in that poison garden we talked about at the top. Apparently, when people trim the hedges and take the clippings to the dump, they fall asleep behind the wheel from the fumes. Oh, wow. All right. Do you have anything that's maybe a little more common than that, though? Yeah, I've got a couple. So rhubarb leaves are apparently toxic. There's this horrific story from uh, Great Britain in 1917 when a cook used a recipe she found in the newspaper. It was in this wartime tips column. And the combination of adding baking soda to the rhubarb actually killed the minister she was cooking for. It was super tragic. But apparently the leaves can cause weakness and difficulty breathing on their own. And uh, and then there are things like cashews, you know, which I, I know you and I have talked about before. Right. But cashews, while they're totally delicious, the plant actually comes from the same family as poison oak and ivy. And you actually have to steam them open to get to the tasty treats. So even though you're getting them supposedly raw, they're actually coming to you a little cooked. Mm. But, you know, Amy Stewart tells this horrible story of a Little League game in Pennsylvania where they sold some cashews that had pieces of a shell in them. And this large percentage of the Little League parents ended up with rashes on their arms and armpits and buttocks from the fruit. I, I don't know. I don't know why buttocks. What are these but... people putting their cashews? <laughs> but my favorite deceptively nice plant that's actually not worth hanging out with, 
celery. <laughs> what's what's so bad about celery? Well, nothing in small doses, but if you eat a pound of it and then go to a tanning salon, oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> the celery will actually make you extremely sensitive to UV light and it can pigment your skin color and give you blisters. I mean, if you're going tanning, go light on the celery. <laughs> Really good advice. I'm glad we're here for our listeners, but that does sound awful. All right, so we've done a few unhinged plants that will pop off at you, some stinky plants you'll probably know to avoid, and then those sneaky silent ones that are hiding a dark side. So how about we save some of the liars, cheats, and Harry Potter plants for after a break? So at the top of the show, we were talking about this incredible poison garden, and we're lucky today because we actually have the head gardener at the poison garden. But Trevor Jones, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Hello. (laughs) All right. So uh, one of our favorite things is just the sign to the entrance that says these plants can kill, and it's so ominous. What's the philosophy behind the garden, and how do you choose what plants go in there? The Duchess of Northumberland, who created the whole of the garden, was fascinated with poisonous plants. She felt that children these days tend to sit in front of computer screens and look at their mobile phones, but never get out into the big wide world and experience the environment that they're growing up in. So she was aware that many children these days don't know the harmful effects of plants, especially native plants that grow here in the UK, but also some exotic ones. And so part of the reasoning for the poison garden was to capture the imagination of a child and teach them about the harmful effects of plants and how they would all kill you. So we have storytellers that build up a huge drama before anybody actually enters. and You're warned not to touch the plants, stand too close to them, smell them, or definitely not taste them because they all have the ability to kill you. Well, speaking of children, I'm guessing these plants are kind of like children in that you can't pick a favorite, but we're still going to ask you anyway. Do you have a favorite plant there? I like to tell the story of Aconitum. It's a cottage garden plant. It's herbaceous. It dies down in the winter, shoots up again in the spring, and it has fantastic deep blue flowers. It's often called monk's hood because the flower looks like an old-fashioned monk's hood. Now, the whole of that plant is poisonous but we relate it to an up-to-date murder story because in 2010, a woman called Lakvinda Singh, who'd fallen out with her lover, he'd kicked her out of the home that they shared. So to get revenge on him, she found some Aconitum nepaulis seed and she crushed it up and then went back into the house and stirred it into his curry, which was in the fridge. He then returned home from work with his new girlfriend and ate, ate the curry died within 36 hours. And when toxicology reports came back, they said that it was all down to aconitum poisoning. They traced this back to Lakvinda, and she's now in prison. So when did it occur to you that being a poison gardener could be a real job? Well, I came to Anik uh, 10 years ago, and uh, I'd never heard about a collection of poisonous plants, although I'd been in gardening all my days, until I got to Anik. And then the fascination that is all about the poison garden started to infect me as well. And so I'm really keen on poisonous plants. And I'm curious, how did the uh, Harry Potter movies filming there change admissions to the garden? We've had a spin-off from the Harry Potter uh, film because in Harry Potter they talk about mandrake. And so we grow mandrake in the poison garden because there's lots of superstition around mandrake. At one time it was more prized than gold for its magical properties. 
And even today, people will buy mandrake roots and chop them up. It's supposed to be a very good aphrodisiac, but I can't guarantee that. <laughs> but there's lots of superstition about the plant. And the plant um, has a very uh, strong, thick taproot, very much like a carrot, but it forks. So it'll often have two stems to it. So when it gets dug up, it can often look like a little man with two legs and two arms. And they say that it's the devil himself. And if you dig a mandrake up, you can actually hear it screaming as it comes up out of the ground. And then when you see it, it does look like a little, like a little man. And so if you do that, you're cursed. So the stories go that if you wanted to get rid of your mandrake, you used to have to tie a rope around the mandrake itself and then around a donkey or a dog. <laughs> and you'd kick the donkey or the dog and they would run off and they would pull the mandrake up. And as it screamed, so they heard the screaming. They were the culprit because they pulled it up. So the donkey or the dog was cursed and you survived to tell the tale. What's the best thing you overhear at the gardens? Like, what's the most satisfying part of the job? In the poison garden, it's uh, relating the stories that we tell to everyday occurrences. We grow in the poison garden, we grow just common laurel. And a lot of our visitors will grow laurel as a hedge. It's very, very common, evergreen plant. But it has the ability to kill you, believe it or not, because the laurel leaves um, produce cyanide. So when you cut your laurel hedge, if you collect up the clippings and put them into your car uh, to take them to the dump, as you sit in your car, so the cyanide will start to build up in the car. That then affects your nervous system and it starves your brain of oxygen. So many people don't realize that, and lots of our visitors have told us that they have done exactly that. They've driven to the dump with these cuttings in the back of their car, and they've got very lightheaded. And one gentleman even admitted to crashing into a lamppost. It was all down to cyanide poisoning. Well, Trevor, I can't wait to get over to the gardens. This has been fascinating, and thanks so much for joining us on Part-Time Genius. My pleasure. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. Today, we've been thumbing our way through a field guide of plants your mother wouldn't approve of. You know, all this talk of plants and poisons has reminded me of that Deborah Bloom story and the roots of CSI. You know, that's actually one of my favorite stories, but uh, would you mind telling it to our listeners? So Deborah Bloom's this wonderful journalist who wrote The Poisoner's Handbook, but in it, she tells this great story from Belgium. It's about poisoning by nicotine in the 1850s. So basically, at the time, no one knew how to detect plant alkaloids from dead bodies. And the way she tells it, there's a French prosecutor in a famous death by morphine case. And and he confirms this in the trial. And in the courtroom, he said, let us tell would-be poisoners, use plant poisons. Fear nothing. Your crime will go unpunished. There's no physical evidence. It cannot be found. I mean, he was talking from a point of frustration, but at least one person took his advice. It was the Count of Beaucarme. So this is one of those classic cases of people killing their relative for inheritance and the count and countess lived extravagantly. They were basically like the Fitzgeralds of their time, throwing outrageous parties and living beyond their means. So they needed more cash. And they knew that when the countess' sickly brother passed away, they'd inherit his loot. But it turns out he wasn't dying fast enough, so they (laughs) they decided to speed up the process. So the count started experimenting with nicotine poisoning. He had this converted laundry shed that he turned into a lab and claimed he was using it to mix up perfumes. But when his servants peek in, he's extracting things from plants and has vials and burners set up in there. And suddenly tiny dead animals start showing up left outside the lab. I mean, they saw dead birds, rabbits, several other animals, which was, of course, suspicious to them. And so they take note of this. And then the couple had their in-law over for dinner. And there's more suspicious stuff that happens then. They send the kids away for dinner to eat elsewhere, which is pretty unusual for them. The countess insists on ladling out the food herself and distributing the plates herself. And the servants are pointedly sent away. And then during the course of the meal, her brother passes out with a thud. The count and countess claim it's a stroke, but something fishy has clearly happened. And they rinse his throat with vinegar and burn the dead man's clothes and basically get rid of all the evidence. Which sounds so shady, right? I know, but here's the genius of it and why plant poisoning used to work so well. So nicotine is made up of super simple organic materials. It's just carbon and nitrogen and hydrogen and, you know, all the stuff that's in the air and in our bodies. But it's also a super effective poison that works astonishingly well and at high speeds when it's in high doses. And so the servants report the case, and the police knew who did it, but have zero proof. Then Belgium's most famous chemist, Jean Sarvay Stas, who spends three months figuring out how to pull alkaloids from preserved tissues, and he finally uses the proof to convince a judge of their guilt, and the justice is swift. But the crazy part is that while Stas's process has been updated, according to Bloom, it's still used in toxicology labs today. Crazy. It really is kind of the roots of CSI, but what's the moral of all this? 
I guess the moral would be, uh, you know, don't use plants to murder your friends and family. And <laughs> maybe more than that, don't murder. That would be the, the moral. Don't murder. <laughs> Those seem like smart words to live by. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know what's funny? Amy Stewart makes this point in her book that uh, poisons are all around us. Like a lot of common houseplants are poisonous. The peace lily, the philodendron. I, I mean, we had both of those in our home growing up. And the truth is, you probably wouldn't eat much of either because they'd make your mouth burn before you'd scarf down too much. But what's interesting is that most houseplants were never chosen for their safety. They were chosen because they thrive year round in a 50 to 70 degree climate, you know, the same temperature as our homes, which is why many of them are actually tropical plants from South American and African jungles. I mean, that's something I never considered. Yeah, me either. But I think we've gotten a little off topic here. So let's get back to some of those plants your mom doesn't want you playing with. I have to admit, I love that squirting cucumber plant. (laughs) You got any more like that? Yeah, so there are two other plants I flagged. The first one's called the African milk tree. And it's disgusting because if you don't prune it carefully... It can squirt the African milk sap at you. You're big with the squirters. I guess you took that request literally. It's the most terrifying. And uh, there's this one scientist who was pruning his tree and he got it right in the eye. Oh, God. And he used to have like 20-20 vision in the eye and then he went legally blind. Wow. And that sounds terrible. But after a rigorous course of saline that he gave himself for 10 days, his eye went back to being 20-20, which I thought was crazy that it causes this temporary blindness that you can come back from. Wow, that's wild. All right. and, And the other one? Yeah, so this one's totally amazing and also temporarily takes away from one of your abilities, but it's called the dumb cane. As Amy Stewart puts it, quote, this tropical South American plant is well known for its ability to temporarily inflame vocal cords, leaving people completely unable to speak. And that does sound like something out of Harry Potter. And we did promise to talk about Harry Mm -hmm, Potter. Definitely. So it's like straight out of the Charms and Potions books or any of Professor Sprout's lessons. But before we get into that, the plant, Diffianbachia, has one more unusual side effect. In the Caribbean, men used to chew it as a male contraceptive. Really? Wow. Because they lost their ability to smooth talk women or something? No, it actually has nothing to do with them losing their voice. There's some sort of historical preparation that we don't know about that people used to use to make sure they didn't have kids. And it was kind of like an early version of the male pill. It supposedly lasted 24 to 48 hours. But what's weirder is that the Nazis actually started playing with the plant in the hopes that they could make certain populations sterile. And luckily, they could never get enough of the plant to really experiment on. That's really creepy. But I I do love the idea of plants with superpowers. All right. What other Harry Potter type plants? Well, there's also the mandrake, which Trevor talked about earlier on. At Hogwarts, mandrakes are one of those plants that are always wailing and whining when they get pulled out of the soil. And they shriek at these high-pitched volumes. But I had no idea that was like a myth from medieval times. And in fact, Austin told me that the preferred method for uprooting mandrake was to use a rope and tie it to a dog and then just leave. And when the dog finally pulled away, the mandrake would get uprooted. But... There was this idea that maybe the dog might die from doing the uprooting, which I just think that's the worst possible yeah, way to no weed kidding. your garden. Yeah, <laughs> but, let's not do it that way. <laughs> so um, Amy Stewart actually has another story about the plant, and that's that Hannibal used to leave mandrake-infused wines for his enemies, which would intoxicate them and give them hallucinations, and then he'd come back to easily defeat them when they were drunk and drugged. Of course, the fact that he used to ride in on giant elephants probably only made those hallucinations worse, I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, so there's some other plants that get shout outs in Harry Potter, like monkshood, which is actually a toxic plant that gardeners need gloves to handle. But I kind of love the plants that cure things. And one I found completely fascinating is the ordeal beans. Oh, I know about these. Aren't these the uh, truth telling beans? Mm-hmm. 
Like, I, I think I read that if you swallowed the beans and vomited, you were considered innocent. But if you ate the beans and died, then you were guilty. Yeah, it's this perverse logic. And it was kind of like at the Salem witch trials where uh, if you're thrown in a river and drowned, you were innocent. But if you floated, you were definitely a witch. <laughs> but that isn't what's fascinating about these beans to me. What's crazy is that the beans are actually an antidote or a cure for mandrake poisoning. Like, if you've been poisoned by mandrake... In an emergency room, they can actually use these beans to restore heartbeats and snap people back into consciousness. Ah, that is incredible. All right, so so we've covered the Eddie Haskells, the stinkweeds, and now we've covered some of the plants your mom might worry or too into fantasy or something. I guess those are the, uh, let's call those the Comic-Con set. But <laughs> I think it's time to get to talk about one we've been waiting for, and these are the bad boys of plant life. <laughs> They're the liars and the cheats and the oversex plants that are a little too salacious for their own good. You can tell I'm ready for this, right? <laughs> All right. So before we get to those, how about we take a little break? All right, Mango, this is a special treat today because usually our quiz takers join us by phone. But mm -hmm. today our guests are here in studio with us. We have the hosts of one of my favorite shows called Food Stuff here at How Stuff Works, Annie Reese and Lauren Vogelbaum. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So again, like I mentioned, this is one of my favorite shows, and it's so fun because it's not just history and science. It's like all of this combined in a way that I haven't heard many food shows doing. And I was curious to hear from you guys, you know, what gave you the idea to start the show? Uh, well, first of all, aw, hush. Um, <laughs> and, and second of all, um, I don't know, we love food. Yeah, we're and, kind of super nerds about it. Yeah, uh, Annie in particular, I think the day that I realized that I wanted her on the show, um, I came to her and was like, please, we had the show, I need a co-host, and you know, it's so terrific, um, uh, <laughs> was we were out in, in Austin at South by Southwest, and she had planned months in advance like and like put in orders for barbecue places and like had this entire map of everywhere that we needed to go to eat in the city. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this one. <laughs> like this is <laughs> I call it maximizing. I like to maximize my experience when I visit a new city. And uh I we had such a good time. We tried so much good food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get so excited about all the research because every episode has a fact that I just would never have never have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Through food science, I feel a little bit less like a, uh, you know, mad scientist in training. Right. How do you guys come up with the topics? Obviously, there are a lot of foods out there, but how do you decide which ones to uh, focus on? We do get a lot of requests in from listeners, and those are tremendously helpful, like stuff that we wouldn't necessarily have thought to do. But also, it's just like, uh, we'll run across stuff, you know, what was it this week? Aspics? Aspics. Oh, I went on such a rabbit hole about aspics. <laughs> It's a meat gelatin. Um, okay. These were really big in like the 1960s or so. It's a jello mold that's savory, uh, made of usually like bone broth, aka stock, as they call it in the mm -hmm. industry, and th that'll set up into a good solid mold. And it's usually got like bits of meat and egg and vegetable and stuff in it. It's they look they look like they're from a hell dimension. <laughs> oh, they, <laughs> they look made, like they taste. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, they're supposedly delicious. I've oh, never really? had one. They made me laugh aloud just looking at the the picture. <laughs> so I highly recommend. We'll have to go out. down a similar <laughs> rabbit hole. Well, for our listeners, there have been great episodes on Bloody Marys, fried chicken, honey, the weird history of the graham cracker, which is I expected it to be a great episode, and it was. So, uh, oh, thank you. So it's always a lot of fun. Now, part of the reason we wanted to have you on today, though, was you did. Uh, an episode recently about the tomato 
And, uh, you know, we're doing this episode on dangerous and poisonous plants. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. You guys had talked about how Europeans for uh, for a long time thought that tomatoes were poisonous. I thought I'd get you guys to explain why that was. Oh, certainly wealthy Europeans. I mm-hmm. think that the poorer folks were just like, it's a food, you should eat it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, wealthier Europeans like to eat off of these fancy pewter plates, mm-hmm. especially in the, at the time this was around the uh, 15 or 1600s. Mm-hmm. And tomatoes have a lot of acid. Right. And so the acid would cause um, lead to leak out of the pewter plates. And could lead to lead poisoning, which can lead to death. Oh, yes. that's problematic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they had a legitimate reason for being afraid. Uh-huh. Right. Also, um, they were kind. Of, tomatoes were kind of poorly classified, or unfortunately classified. Uh, yeah, correctly classified, but as a nightshade, which is a type of poisonous plant in some cases. Okay. Yes. Uh, and from that, yes, um, they were called um, lycopersicons. That's how they were classified, which mm-hmm. translates the Greek word is wolf peach. Right. <laughs> right. And part of the reason they were called that is because they were in the nightshade family and um, related to wolfsbane, which people thought at the time could summon werewolves. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So you got to talk about werewolves. We and did. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It yeah. was so exciting. Yeah. I also love the title of that episode, right? It was, uh, you say tomato, I say wolf, wolf peach. peach. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, wolfsbane... And nightshade do have hallucinogenic qualities, so... So it's easy to see where people might think that werewolves are involved if right. they're hanging yeah. out around too much wolfsbane. Right. Yeah. But that is really interesting to imagine that that those that had much less money wouldn't have thought of them as, as being poisonous because they wouldn't have had that introduction of... Yeah. yeah. So the fancy pewter plates, and they wouldn't yes. have gotten that taxonomy lesson, so... Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Very they, cool. Rich people would keep them on their tables as, like ornaments mm-hmm. as like goth table decoration yeah. like, like they, they thought that they were poisonous and they would have them as these table centerpieces oh wow That's amazing. yeah okay. <laughs> well very cool that that made us think we should have you guys on the show we'd been wanting to have you here anyway so it was a good excuse to get you here to play this very very important quiz what quiz are we going to have these guys play today Mango? yeah super important it's called real name of a mushroom or band that's playing south by southwest this year all right <laughs> so Ooh, there the south by connection again yes. oh, wow yeah <laughs> So there are tons of names of mushrooms that are really quirky and strange, like <laughs> scurfy twiglet and what? fingered candle snuff, names of actual <laughs> mushrooms. Does that make you hungry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be fun to have you come on and uh, work together. We're going to have you work together because you're teammates okay, to, uh, okay. to see how All you right. do in a five-question quiz. Oh, okay. No. Number one, potato earth ball. Is this a real mushroom or the name of a band playing at South by Southwest this year? Oh, Potato earth ball. Since since it's got the earth element to it, I would say I would say it's an actual mushroom. I agree. Yeah. Wow, these guys are good. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yes. It's a homely puffball mushroom. Homely? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't say that about the mushroom. Is that, for, is that from a description, or did you just decide it's that? It's got the sexy shape of a potato. Oh, okay. Okay. oh yeah. Oh, potatoes nice. are really sexy. Okay. They are. They are. All right. Sexiest tuber. They're one for one. Number two, snake tongue truffle club. <laughs> that sounds like a bar. Is that an option? Good option. <laughs> Not an option. Um, uh, I think I think drinking was involved in that one, though. So I'm going to go with band. Do you? Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think that's a band. Oh, I'm glad we stumped him on at least one. Right? Uh. <laughs> it, it, well, it was named in the UK, so there might have been some drinking involved. <laughs> yes. it, it actually looks like a big snake tongue uh, sticking out of the ground. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's one great. out of two. Here we go. Number okay. three. All right. Yucky duster. 
yucky duster. <laughs> I'm, Annie's making the most amazing face right now. Uh, I'm going to say that either that if it is a band, it's also poisonous. <laughs> but I'm going to go with mushroom. Oh, wow. We got him again. Dang. Yeah. I, actually, it, it's a band. It's a four-person band that sounds completely different depending on which member wrote the song. Oh, okay. that's interesting. That cool? yeah. yeah, I can see that band. Yeah. All right, here we go. You still have a chance for the big prize. Okay, we're okay. bring it back. All right. Number four, pancake crust. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to not just like snort after every name <laughs> that we're hearing. Yeah. Uh, oh, goodness. I mean, that could certainly describe the skin on the top of, I mean, I feel like I've seen that thing before. Well, I'll, I'll trust your judgment on that one. Yeah, it's, 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 a, real, it's a real fungus that infects uh, stone fruit trees. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nicely done. Okay, this is the big one for okay. the big prize. All right. Number five. Yeah. Delicate Steve. <laughs> Delicate Steve. <laughs> Mushroom or a band at South By? Well, Delicate Steve certainly sounds like a band that I, I've seen before. <laughs> it sounds like some band members that I think I've dated. Many different Steves. <laughs> yeah, and they're all delicate. They're all delicate. Sorry about it, Steves. So they're going with band. What do you think, Mango? You're right. It's a band from New Jersey, which shouldn't be confused with a slow Steve, a band from Berlin that's also playing South by. Oh wow! Oh. Double Stevage yeah. going there. Oh man, that's exciting. I I so, uh, so how did they do today, Mango? They did so great. We're going to give them a prize. So today they're going home with. Uh, there's an actual prize. Yes, yeah. there's an actual oh my prize. goodness! A copy what? of "Rockabye Baby" lullaby renditions of Justin Timberlake. So oh wow! Congratulations! Oh. It's the only Justin Timberlake CD I had on my desk. So. Yeah. Oh man, it's the only one. <laughs> Good luck finding a place to play a CD. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to fight over this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's all right. Well, I hope all our listeners will check out Food Stuff. It's a terrific show. Lauren and Annie, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank yeah. you for having us. Uh huh. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. So, Mango, we were just about to talk about some of the liars and the sex pots and, you know, the plants your mother definitely doesn't want you hanging out with. So who's your favorite liar in the mix? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some crafty greenery out there just spinning lies and trying to get their seed into the wild. But I think my favorite ones are the ones that trick insects. So there's an orchid that's apparently so sexy that wasps try to mate with it. And it isn't just romance. It's like aggressive wasp sex. <laughs> and the dumb male wasps get so excited, they get covered in pollen and then move on to another orchid, spreading the pollen along the way. But the best and weirdest part is that the orchids are so good at their deception that male wasps actually prefer the flowers to females. Wow. And sometimes they'll leave a female wasp mid-copulation because a flower seems that much more appealing. So I don't think you said what, what it's called. What's it called? Yeah, it's called the tongue orchid. Which is, which is gross and oh, sexual. Oh, wow. That's a good one. All right. So what else you got? Well, uh, this one's hilarious. While impersonating an insect is one thing, impersonating a piece of dung is a totally different level. But that's what the restinaceae, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but it's from South Africa. And it does this when it drops seeds that look suspiciously like antelope dung on the ground. Oh, wow. So they just, are they marking their territory? It's so much more than that. So basically the seeds attract dung beetles, which just saunter up to the seed and roll it around. And when they uh, decide to burrow into it, instead of getting a delicious treat, they discovered that they've been tricked into planting a seed in the ground. Wow. All right. That's pretty genius. But that's a common survival strategy, right? Well, I mean, it's common enough that it has a name. It's called fecal mimicry. Hmm. All right. So we probably need to wrap this up. But how about you send us off with one last plant that baffled you? Yeah. So I think I have just the one. So here's one that mother definitely wouldn't approve of, which scientists are just completely delighted by. It's an orchid called the Halcoglossum amasanium, which is this bisexual flower. Oh, this sounds juicy. Okay, go on. Yeah, so uh, basically the plant works against gravity to pollinate itself. But let me just quote new scientists because they do a way better job of explaining it. Although many plants self-fertilize, a rare orchid that grows on tree trunks in China takes the process to hitherto unknown heights. Through a gymnastic feat never seen before in plants, it bends its pollen containing male another round through a full circle before jabbing it into the female stigma to complete fertilization. At 60 days, the act takes even longer than tantric sex. Wow, this is basically flower porn. I kind of feel dirty <laughs> listening to that. I mean, what's crazy is that the plant can basically self-pollinate without any of the standard means. Insects, wind, gravity, rain, none of that. It's kind of insane that it does it all on its own. But you know one thing we could never do on our own? I do. The part-time genius fact off. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, did you know that you don't need those little flower chemical packets to make your flowers perk up? A little Viagra will make the flower stems straighten up fast. <laughs> According to Business Insider... August 17th, 1977, set the record for the most flowers sold in the U.S. on a single day. Oh, what happened? It was the day after Elvis passed away. Oh, that's crazy. 
All right, well, did you know that Venus flytraps emit a fluorescent blue light to attract bugs? Also, they're the official state carnivorous plant of North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, what else is North Carolina going to give it to? Speaking of carnivorous plants, did you know figs aren't considered vegetarian? What? Figs are pollinated by wasps, and then the flower captures and traps them. So there's wasps that's been caught and digested in most figs you eat. Ah, which is funny to think that figs aren't vegetarian while oysters might be. I mean, according to some vegans and vegetarians, at least, it's because they don't experience pain. But that's not my fact. I still have a fact. <laughs> Did you know that plants can hear water? I I thought I thought that was just like an old wives tale. Well, I used to think that, too. But Scientific American and a professor from Australia proved me wrong was Professor Monica Gagliano, and she devised an experiment with pea seedlings where plants inch their way toward pipes. And she theorized that while the plants later followed moisture grades, they were initially drawn to the water sources by sound waves from inside the pipes. That's amazing. So I'm going to have to let you take home the trophy today. Thanks, and I think that's it for today's episode of Part-Time Genius. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.